Good morning and welcome back to Driving Theology. This is Mike, just heading out for my day. And uh, hopefully I've worked out some of the kinks uh, that we experienced last week with the rattling of the... Uh, I probably just made some other sounds. I spilled my coffee again. <laughs> All right, I'm going to pause. Well, I just uh, dumped my coffee cup. Almost. Probably lost it. From the weight of it, a third or maybe even a half of the coffee into the floor of the passenger side. I always forget to grab that before I take off. I'll use a covered coffee mug. <laughs> yeah, didn't work out. Anyway, uh, yeah, welcome back to Driving Theology. Last week we had a, quite a bit of noise in the car. After I listened to the uh, recording, I realized that there's probably some things I could do better. So I've there was an extra uh, extra uh, phone holder that was on the dash. I've removed that. It was shaking a lot because it didn't have a phone in it. And even this phone holder shakes a little more than I'd like. So anyway, thanks for bearing with me. And the fact that I'm going over uh, more country roads and things like that, uh, as opposed to uh, being on a highway or something, there there is a significant more number of uh, bumps that I encounter along the way. And if you've uh, ever driven in Japan, you know that the, the roads, though generally competent, they do a lot of uh, patchwork on them. This or that improvement, you know, putting in new pipes or uh, you know whatever the case may be, and so there, you just you just in, encounter lots of bumps, especially on these uh, back roads that I have to take to where I'm going, which is way out in the country. I live in the country, and it's farther out in the country than I'm in the country, I think, anyway. But anyway, depending on who you ask. Anyway, what's been going on in your neck of the church? Um, if you haven't listened to this before, you know that I just kind of ramble, uh, and sometimes it takes me a while to get to, uh, the subject I want to talk about, which was the case last week. I do go through dry spells, uh, spiritually where, uh, maybe I'm not quite as passionate about a certain subject. And then other times, man, I just can't talk enough, uh, on certain subjects, but I happen to be kind of in a dry spot, I guess, if, I, if I'm honest with myself. And so sometimes it takes me a while to get to the to the uh, the topic I want to talk about. I kind of uh, in my mind, I imagine that the spirit is leading me to a topic, uh, but I know there's a possibility that that I just may settle on something just because I can't find anything else and the spirit may let me uh, tread water a little bit for a while that's okay too um, but uh, yeah you know we're kind of in a dry spell in a lot of ways I think with news and politics because uh, the Trump fiasco is already underway and it's maybe becoming commonplace and it's not such a big deal anymore um, close to summer. I guess a lot of you guys are, your kids are just about to start summer break or, or, or are already on summer break. 
my daughter will be coming home next week. Uh, she'll be on summer break because she goes to an American school in Japan, which follows the American school school year calendar. My other daughter is uh, in Japanese school still. She's in junior high, and so she's she's still got several months before her summer break. But uh, yeah, today, man, feels like to me the first day of summer. It's uh, May thirty. May 31st, yeah. So today's the first, or tomorrow's the first day of June. Uh, so today's, a, today's the 31st of May. And, uh, yeah. Um, we, uh, I guess one thing I could talk about is something that came up last week in a gathering that I attended on Monday night. Uh, some really close friends of mine, and they were reading... I want to say in Luke 14, but I could be wrong about that, but basically it's where Jesus heals a woman who was bent over. Uh, he heals her on the Sabbath, and of course the Pharisees accuse him of breaking the law. And, and so the question was asked, uh, what, what does it mean when Jesus breaks the law? You know, why, now assuming Assuming that you believe that Jesus is and has always been sinless, he doesn't sin, he can't sin, right? Uh, then you you would have to admit that this is not a sin for him to break this law. And so, in what ways, you know, what? how is Jesus breaking the law here? And what does that mean for him? Is he sinning or is he not? you don't think he's sinning, which is what I believe, then you have to figure out uh, just how he's not breaking the law. And the law is this, right? It comes from the Ten Commandments. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Now, if you followed me uh, or any of these, uh, any of my previous podcasts, especially more recent ones, you know that I'm, I'm constantly in flux about my view of scripture and just what uh, is um, in, in what ways is the, the scripture uh, many terms that I've tossed around the word of God or is it infallible is it God breathed or inspired uh, and, and you know that so far where I'm at right now is that Jesus is the Word of God, not the written Scripture. And written Scripture does accent the Word, Jesus. The Word of God, Jesus. Who is Jesus? But it's not the Word of God itself. Now, it contains words of God, but it contains even more words of men. And I, I have been shown that there is a progression of theology in scripture, that the, the people of Israel uh, from their earliest times uh, up until the time of Jesus had progressed greatly in their theology and their understanding of God, that, that the theology that was contained, for example, in the books of the law or the Torah, uh, the first five books of the Bible, 
was not necessarily how Jews thought theologically at the time of Jesus. Now, they did, uh, they did still try to follow the law, uh, and that's an understatement. In fact, every law uh, had multiple uh, sub-laws, or bylaws, or sub-laws, whatever you call them, that defined exactly what it meant to follow or break that law. Um, so anyway, I, I believe that theology, even in the Old Testament, progressed uh, and culminated, let, let's say, okay, man's... man's understanding of theology probably culminated in some of the major prophets, major and minor prophets. They probably had the best understanding. But then Jesus came and answered the question once or for, once and for all. What's, who is God and what is he like? Just look at me and listen to me and follow me and you will know exactly what God is like. And so the Old Testament obviously does not concur in many points, especially on the surface, with the idea that God is exactly like Jesus, because we find a God who is wrathful and angry and jealous uh, and who demands to be feared uh, and all of these things, right? We find that God in the Old Testament, but we don't, we don't find that God in Jesus. We don't find a bloodthirsty God. We don't find a God who demands animal sacrifice. Jesus. And so if Jesus can be trusted, and he said, if you know me, you know the Father, well, then we have to assume that even Jesus disagreed with some of the uh, characteristics that were attributed to God in the Old Testament, that even Jesus disagreed with that. And that in fact, one of his purposes in in, in coming in the flesh and in incarnating himself in the body of a man was to answer that question. You don't know who God is. It's one uh, question that he answered and you don't know how much he loves you. And so he answered those two questions in his lifetime. Uh, in, in the way that he lived, I would say he answered the first question, who God is. And well, and actually, in the in the way that he died, uh, he answered both questions. Um, and so, who is God, and how much does he love you? Well, God takes joy in you. He loves you as his child. He wants you to call him daddy and to know him inti intimately as daddy. All right, God doesn't have any grandchildren. It was a great quote that I heard recently. We are all his children. And he loves us so much that he's willing to die for us just to prove to you how much he loves us. And that in accepting that love, we are transformed by it more into the likeness of Christ. And Christ knew who God was. I don't think he ever had any doubts. Uh, and so... Um, my theology has been going that direction. And so when I look at this scripture in Luke, Luke 14, uh, that talks about, if it is Luke 14, I really need to double check that. Um, uh, did Jesus break the law? 
well, let's let's talk about that. So the law was uh, that remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Now Sabbath, as I understand it, is just the word for rest. And I believe the original uh, Hebrew word is sabaot, sabaot, something like that. Uh, it meant to rest, and so. In scripture in places it says just as God rested after making the world on the seventh day so must we rest and do no work on the seventh day and so keeping the Sabbath day holy was a law that was given by God through Moses presumably and these these laws I mean to look at all of these laws and that one is unique uh, in this set of ten all of the laws are, are quite good. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, right? Have no other gods before me. Don't worship anybody else but, but the true God, right? Honor your father and mother. Do not kill, do not steal, do, do not commit adultery, do not covet. <coughs> Excuse me. Do not commit false witness or do not lie, right? Uh, and remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Now, I probably didn't didn't get all 10 uh, in there, but uh, all of them are, are actually, I would say, by and large, human nature, by and large. We know somehow that killing, uh, just in the nature of it, taking the taking of a life, uh, the ending of one's future, uh, not just the ending of one's future, but the ending of of all of their relationships with that person going into the future, whoever that person had relationships with. So it affects many people. A murder doesn't only affect just one. It affects many, many, many. Any death affects many people. Uh, and that's as it should be. Uh, we are relational beings meant to be in a relationship with each other and with our maker. Our father, our daddy. So, uh, yeah, so now when I read things about the law in the Old Testament, I, I always have kind of an asterisk beside it because I, what I want to do is say, okay, no matter what I'm reading in the Old Testament, it needs to line up with what I know about Jesus and who Jesus revealed himself to be and in doing so revealed God to be. So you look at the word rest. What's wrong with rest? Why wouldn't Jesus want us to rest? And why wouldn't Jesus himself want to rest? It's a good question. I would say because Jesus is our daddy and he loves us more than we could ever imagine and longs to know us that yes, he does want us rest. In fact, rest was for our benefit. If he gave us permission to rest, right? If God was giving us permission to rest, uh, then yes, that's something we should, we should do. You know, we should, that's a great thing for us. People don't rest enough. I live in Japan where it is very common for men to work at least six days a week. Sometimes teachers work seven days a week and, you know, 14, 16, 12, 14, 16 hours a day. That's normal. Uh, a lot of Japanese people don't rest well. And even when they play, they, 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 they play so hard that you can 
hardly consider it rest, right? Japanese are very active people. Uh, and so, um, I think that's, that's something that we can just chalk down and say, yes, that's a gift that God was giving his people to rest. It wasn't, it wasn't something to make them feel guilty for not doing. It was giving them permission not to work themselves to death. Take a day off, rest, just don't work on that day, right? Now that, that's how I interpret it because I'm just looking at the, the way it was written originally. But now the Jews, down through the years, interpret that, interpreted that in many different ways. And they started to, to define work. What is work? Well, is walking this far work? Well, no, that's not work. But walking that far would be work. Okay, well, let's not do that then. Uh, can I, uh, can I cook? Well, cooking seems a lot like work to me. So no, we probably shouldn't cook, but man, we need to eat. So, okay, so we're going to work twice as hard on the day before to get ready for the Sabbath. Uh, and then we'll make food on that day and then we'll just eat that and we'll, yeah, so that'll work. Okay, so, so they start defining, uh, and institutionalizing just how they can follow this law. When I think God was just saying, you know, just just take a day and rest. Take a day off. Don't work yourself to death. Enjoy each other. Enjoy me. Uh, you know, do 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 something besides work on that day. Right? And that was a gift God was giving his people. So here comes Jesus. And Jesus is confronted by a woman who is ill. Now, one of the ways uh, that the people had had codified or institutionalized the following of the Sabbath was that healing could not happen. Healing was considered work. It was, it was one of the things they listed as work. Right? They listed, not God. And so... Jesus having the power to give relief to this woman but being told that he can't do it because it's a Sabbath he chooses to show mercy he chooses to to give this woman rest he gives her Sabbath right he gives her rest from her ailments and from being trapped in this condition of, of uh, rigidity uh, of being bent over gives her the ability to stand up straight again. And if you've ever had any kind of back problems, you know that that affects the rest of your health. I mean, everything is going to be affected by that. Nothing else is going to work very well when you are bent over like a jackknife. Uh, and I see many people like this in Japan. I don't know why it is. Maybe it's the kind of work they've done uh, their whole life. Maybe it was a lack of certain nutrients and a part of their development whatever it is there are a lot of people with that same ailment here and if I could give them that blessing of healing from that I would you know I I can't imagine saying well it's it's Saturday it's the Sabbath therefore yeah sorry I can't do it today but you know hopefully yeah I'll be able to do that tomorrow so you just you know wait another day <laughs> um no Jesus says and in other places, he says that he's the Lord of the Sabbath. The Sabbath was not 
Man was not made for the Sabbath, but Sabbath was made for man, to benefit man, to be a gift to man, right? To be a blessing to man. And we had we had taken it because we are we are so legalistic uh, and judgmental against other people. Uh, we made all of these laws to where it had to be followed a certain way, or uh, it wasn't wasn't legit, right? So, yeah, Jesus uh, turns that on his head and says, "Yeah, uh, mercy, mercy is the better part of this." Uh, following the Sabbath uh, and doing it in the rigid way that you guys are doing it makes it meaningless and it's lost all its meaning um, and God would have always been okay with us helping each other on the Sabbath if help was needed and so yes I'm going to help and so he heals the woman now of course this, this uh, shaking up Shaking up of uh, the cultural norms and uh, all of this stuff is one of the things that put Jesus directly in the crosshairs of the religious establishment, be they the Pharisees or the Sadducees or the scribes uh, or whatever. This is this was the justification they needed to get this guy uh, out of the game, and so this these are one of the this is one of the things that that they stacked up against him. And uh, they would have called this, um, I'm sure they lumped this in together with blasphemy or whatever, but he breaks the law. He doesn't keep the law. He doesn't obey the law that we all do. Therefore, uh, he must be, he must be stopped. Uh, so, what other ways, you know, what, what, what are some things that we talked about on Monday night about this Sabbath? Um, people brought up many things. And number one, the fact that, well, Jesus was a man, but he was also God. And therefore, uh, God is not subjected, subject to following the law, right? Um, I suppose that's fair enough. The problem with that justification is that the way I look at the law is that, especially the Ten Commandments, it reflects the character of God. Those laws reflect the character of God. God says, do not steal, because God does not steal. God says, do not kill, because God does not kill. He says, do not lie, because He does not lie. Okay? Why would God, and how could we follow a God who asks us, to follow laws that he himself does not obey. No, God was showing us his own nature and saying that this is our true nature. That originally mankind, before sin had entered into his bones, uh, was this kind of being, was was in, in many ways God-like in that God created us in his image uh, to not kill, to not lie, to not covet, to not steal, to honor our loved ones, right? To love God as much as He loves us, right? These are the... This is not a law that God gave us that He's not willing to follow. This is... He is giving us a reflection of who He is in His law. 
right? Uh, and Paul in Romans talks about the law was given, and it was it was accepted as law, uh, so that we could show that by our own power we are unable to live up to the image of God. We are unable to not lie. We are unable to not steal and not kill, and not covet and not commit adultery. Right? We we are powerless not to do these things by ourselves, that we need our God to come and die for us, and that equation, right, uh, that only God is the answer to our problem, that equation in its, in its entirety is why, is why God came, right, is why, is why Jesus came to, to sum up everything into himself, right? Uh, in other words, us plus us equals zero, right? Equals nothing, equals sin. Us plus us equals sin. Uh, but us plus Jesus equals forgiveness and mercy and love, right? Reconciliation. in the same way that the sin of Adam cursed us the incarnation of Jesus has blessed us and he has, he has fixed that problem, right? He has done that for us uh, and that, that equation just shows us how much he loves us and how much he was willing to do for us um, and so that having been said, uh, you know, when I look, when I look at these scriptures, especially when it is Jesus versus the Old Testament, or actually an interpretation of the Old Testament, I kind of now first am going to, to filter that Old Testament passage through Jesus and find out what I know about who God was then, because I know who Jesus is and what he was actually saying and doing. And now let's look at it in, in that light from God's original intention for the law. And so God's original intention for Sabbath was to bless us with rest, to allow us not to work ourselves to death. And in a cosmic kind of way, Jesus coming to earth is our Sabbath. He comes and says, yeah, actually, Sabbath one day of the week, not really. Sabbath now can be every day with me. Right? Sabbath now is every day. You can rest in the assurance that I have reconciled you back to the Father. And that He loves you, and He has always loved you. And He can never love you any more or any less. And I am His guarantee. I, I, Jesus, uh, Jesus, I, Jesus, am his guarantee that he loves you, and I'm going to put my stamp on it by, in my blood, right? I will sign that contract in my blood and by my own life, and therefore you will know 
unequivocally. Unequivocally? <laughs> I'm not sure what the word is. Uh, you will know that uh, that Jesus is that God is good, uh, that God is good, and that He loves you, and He is pleased with you. He is pleased that you are His child, and He is your Father. Um, and so, you know, I think that's going to apply to, to all the laws. Everything that we look at as a law, uh, and especially when it's stated in the Old Testament, but even when it's just said out loud in a church, you know, we don't allow you to do this, or you're not allowed to do that, or you shouldn't do this, or you shouldn't do that. All of those things... You know, all of those, uh, whether you call them rules or laws or, or you know, um, whatever the case may be, they all need to be filtered through Jesus. And you need to, to ask yourself, is this what Jesus requires of me? Do I need to do this to please Jesus? And the answer is always going to be no. Jesus has forgiven you. You are loved. And so, you don't need to do anything to please Jesus. You just need to understand deeply how much He loves you. And what happens once you understand, and as you understand more and more deeply, as you go deeper into the reality of Jesus' love, He transforms you by that love more and more into the person that looks like Jesus. And I, man, I keep coming back to this. Maybe all roads lead to this. Um, I kind of think they do in a lot of ways. Um, but, you know, whether it's the Sabbath law or the, you know, the theft law or whether it's, you know, some of the other um, 603 laws in the, in the Old Testament or, again, whether it's laws that your, your church has placed on you uh, or requirements that you have to meet and able to be part of their fellowship. Well, ask yourself, you know, uh, and ask, more than ask yourself, ask, ask Jesus. Go back to who Jesus is and how that he is exactly who God is. And then ask him, are these, are these really reflective of who you are? your character is and of who you want me to be and, and is this the way you want me to be? Do you want me to be defined by whether I obey this or that rule or law? Or can I just rest and take my Sabbath in the fact that you have forgiven me and you have reconciled me with the Father and that now I just need to rest in your love every day and every minute? Well, that's what I'm going to go for. Uh, and I'm glad that Jesus came to give us that rest, right? that time that we can, we can just rest assured, right? That's maybe where that comes from. We can rest assured that He loves us and that God loves us uh, as His, as His uh, own children, because we are His own children. You guys have a great day. Bye-bye.